I will add my welcome and good morning to you all. It's good to be here on this Lord's Day. Be turning, if you would, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter. 1 Corinthians 16. It's good to be here on this Lord's Day. Good to be among the body, the Lord's church, where we seek to do those things that we have been commanded to do. We see from God's Word how He has given for us the things that we are to do as we come together on this first day of the week. And that's what we seek to do here this morning. It's been edifying so far. It's good to be able to lift up our voices and song together and to gather around the table and to remember the great sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's been edifying to this moment. And I hope that this lesson will be edifying to you as well. I want to talk this morning about our giving something that we just participated in here just a few moments ago. As we begin our discussion, I wanted to remind ourselves of the three areas where we can properly use the funds that we collect here on this first day of the week. And those areas are evangelism, edification, and benevolence. We're not going to go into great detail on each of these areas because I've actually done that in past lessons. But it's important to know that we have proper scripturally authorized ways in which we use these funds that we are collecting here on each first day of the week. So I wanted to begin by talking about that authority, the authority associated with the collection that we take here each Sunday. So we begin here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I directed to the churches of Galatia, so you do also. On the first day of every week, let each one of you put aside and save, as he may prosper, that no collections be made when I come. This gives us instructions. This gives us the example, the apostolic example, of when we are to take the, take the collection. Each first day of the week. Each Sunday. We're also told the manner in which we are to give. Look over in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 9. Brad read for us this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to remind us of verse 7. It says, Let each one do just as he has prospered in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. We are told the proper manner and the proper attitude that we are to have when we give of our means on the first day of the week. We can look here and see. So then it follows, if we are to give of our own means, if we are to, uh, if we have a command to give, which we looked at there in 1 Corinthians 16, We've been told the manner in which we are to give, and we've been given instructions how to spend that money. Then it, then it follows that we are given by our own means on each Sunday, as each has determined to be, as each of us have determined to make. And the reason I draw this distinction is it's important for us to understand where the funds for this church come from. This is the only source of income that we have for the church, as described to us in Scripture. No other source of funding has been authorized from God's Word. 
does not come from bake sales or car washes or parking fees or any of those other kind of things. The funds are to come only from a free will offering by the members of this body. It's important for us to understand that. Important for us to understand that we've been given the command to give, been told how to give, so it's important to know where those funds come from. And that's from our own free will offering. Now, I'd like to take a moment and to talk about how it is we are to give, or how much we are to give. Some might use the idea of tithing. If you remember back in the Old Testament, the idea of tithing. Children of Israel were commanded to tithe. That was to give a, ten, a tenth or 10% of everything they owned. They were to give that back to the Lord. Under the new covenant, we enjoy greater blessings, right? The greater blessings in Christ that we enjoy. So should we give 10% or more? Is that the standard by which we need to hold ourselves? Is the Old Testament, they gave 10%, so we should at least give that, and probably more, since we have greater blessings in Jesus Christ. But I want us to think honestly about that. Is that really the proper motivation? Is it the proper motivation to look to the Old Testament tithing as the way in which we are to give? Go back in 2 Corinthians to chapter 8. In this passage, we'll hear Paul trying to inspire the Corinthians how to abound in grace. And he's going to do that by showing them the example of the Macedonian churches. He's going to talk about them and how they abounded in the grace of giving, of giving of their means. He's going to use that as an example to these Corinthians of how they should give. So we're reading here in verse 1, beginning of 2 Corinthians 8. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave of themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Consequently, we urge Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all earnestness and in all love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. Paul's telling the Corinthian brethren here, look at these churches in Macedonia and what they have done. If you want to talk about how much it is to give, look at these as an example. So shouldn't we, as Christians today, have that same attitude that the Macedonians did? While the Old Testament tithing as a standard, why would we use that when that was given as a way of compulsion? They were compelled to give the 10%. Rather, we should understand that this is not out of compulsion. But rather, this is out of our own free will. The giving that takes place here is from each member's own free will. Not compelled of them. 
So the Macedonians set a standard for determining how much we are to give. So let's examine a little bit more closely what Paul says about these Macedonians and see the attitudes that they expressed in their giving. First of all, the attitude we see is a sacrificial attitude. Go back with me and read verses 2 and 3. That in great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Even though they were in the middle of a great affliction, they were in the middle of a great ordeal, they still gave bountifully. Specifically of the church in Thessalonica, Paul's reminding them of the persecution that was taking place there in Acts chapter 17. Even amongst the persecution that was going on, they still gave. They still gave quite liberally. They were experiencing poverty themselves. Tough times have fallen on them. But yet they still gave. And they gave liberally. What's interesting is that Paul says that... They, Paul says, I wasn't even expecting this of them. Look in verse 12. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what man has, not according to what he does have. They gave out of their poverty. Much like the widow gave of her two mites. If you remember the Lord seeing that widow giving of her two mites. Recorded there in Mark chapter 12 and also in Luke chapter 21. Giving out of her poverty. We also see in them a joyful attitude. There in verse 2, it says that in great ordeal of affliction, there are abundance of joy. How can they have an abundance of joy in the middle of this affliction? In the middle of this ordeal? Well, one thing that might be said of them is they had discovered the joy of giving. Paul reminds the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 and verse 35 that what Jesus said, remember that, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Look over in James for a moment. James chapter 1. How in the midst of poverty and affliction and troubles are we to have joy and enough joy and abounding in joy to give of our means? James gives us an insight into that. James chapter 1, beginning verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. These Macedonian brethren had found the joy of giving. They had discovered what it means to be joy, joyful in the time of crisis. Another attitude we see back in 2 Corinthians 8 now. Another attitude we see is a voluntary attitude. I made mention that it's our own free will. The things that we give of our own means is the way that this church, this church is supported. And that's very important to understand, this voluntary attitude. Look in verse 3. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. This is the kind of idea that God expects of us today. This is the idea of giving that God expects. 
of our own accord. We cannot require people to give against their will. Look in verse 8. It says, I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. Paul's reminding them that I can't command that you give this way. I'm giving this as an example of the way these brethren did, the way these brethren gave of their means in a voluntary manner. It must come from a willingness or readiness. We read there in verse 12. For if the readiness is present, your Bible might say if the willingness is present. There has to be a willingness. There has to be preparation made of our own accord that we're going to lay by this much on this day. I've put aside this much money and I'm going to put this in the plate when it comes around to support the work of this church. It's a voluntary attitude. It's not out of, out of grudge or compulsion. We read there from chapter 9 and verse 7, let each one do as, in his heart as, as he has purposed, not grudgingly or under compulsion. We can't be compelled to make this. We have to do it out of our own accord, out of our own heart, what we have set aside to do. Otherwise, you might as well not give it all. It's our attitude behind that is so important. What it is that we have purpose in our own hearts to give back to the Lord. Another attitude we see amongst these Macedonian brethren is a persistent attitude. Look in verse 4, back in chapter 8. It says, Begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in support of the saints. Begging us with much entreaty. We would not take no for an answer. Begged them to take the money. Can you imagine having that kind of attitude? Please take our money. Please take this money. And give it to those who have need. What a wonderful attitude that is. Helps us in our thinking of how much money should I give? Well, there's those who need funds. And I have funds to give them. Please take this money. Please give it to those who have need. Entreating, begging us. Please take this money and give it to the needy saints. We also see an attitude of putting God first. And this is really the most important attitude that we see. In this example and others, about putting God first. Look in verse 5. It says, And this, not as we expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. They first gave themselves to the Lord. This gives us such great insight as to why they gave the way that they did. They first gave themselves to God. That was their first giving. Gave themselves to God. And then they didn't have to worry about the cost of giving. Didn't have to worry about how much this is going to take away from my needs or my wants or my wealth. You put God first, he'll take care of all those things. They were abiding in the promises that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 6. Turn over there with me, Matthew chapter 6.
I said that they gave themselves first to God and then they didn't have to worry about the costs of giving. And why? Our Lord says it so well. Matthew 6, beginning verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for the body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, they do not reap, they do not gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Cannot be expressed any more beautifully. The idea of putting God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added to you. What things is he talking about? He's talking about what the Gentiles talk about that they need. Food and clothing. Those things that get us through in this life. Jesus said, if you put God first, he'll take care of all the rest of it. So these Macedonians, having given themselves first to God, they didn't worry about the giving. They didn't worry about how much it was going to cost them to lay by and store on each first day of the week. They knew that God was going to take care of them and led them to be able to give liberally. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The first greatest commandment. What's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. Putting God first, and he's going to take care of you, and he'll help you in that part about loving your neighbor. That includes benevolence. That includes edification. That includes evangelism. It's the work of the church. He's going to help us in that. What a great example we have here of giving and how we are to give. I've expressed time and time again that we see so much example and reason why it is that God asks us to do the things that we do. He could just simply tell us to do this and we do that. And as children of God, that should be enough for us. But he's blessed us so richly and given us these examples. And this example here of Paul writing to the Corinthians and telling them about the Macedonians serves as an example for us when we start talking about how much should I put aside on the first day of the week. Paul reminds these, or tells these Corinthians about the Macedonians and how they gave. They gave sacrificially. 
They gave joyfully. They gave voluntarily. They gave persistently. And they gave of themselves. This is a much better standard than tithing. Tithing has its foundation in compulsion. Whereas our giving should be based on our own free will. As we have purposed in our own hearts. That's what we lay by and store. Jesus' teachings were so much about the condition of the heart. The attitudes behind the things that we do. And as, as, and as usual, in addition to his teaching, he also served as a great example himself. From our reading here in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for, yourself, for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. If you think about the ultimate example of not putting stock in wealth. Jesus left heaven, left all that he had to come to earth and live a very meager life, moving from town to town, not having a place to lay his head, wondering where the next meal would come from. In his poverty, he has made us rich. Why? Because he's given us a beautiful, most wonderful example of how we are to live our lives. Not in service to self, but in service to others. Putting God first. So what kind of givers are we? Are we the kind that give cheerfully? Are we the kind that give grudgingly? Do we beg for our offering offering to be taken and to help those who are in need? Do we give out of our wealth or do we give out of our poverty? Do we give off the top line or do we give off the bottom line after we've paid everybody else? Priorities. And do we appreciate indeed what Jesus did for us and the great sacrifice that he made for us and emptying himself and coming to this world in the form of a servant, the form of a slave and serving man during his time here on earth? We see it in so many examples, his service to men, those around him. And taking that attitude all the way to the cross where he was put to death. That's the gospel message. That's what is going forth in this world right now, continuing to go forth, the gospel message. Have you heard it? Have you obeyed it? Have you repented of the sins in your life? Have you confessed Jesus Christ before men? If you've done those things, you can be baptized. Baptized into his blood. Baptized into the water. Come up out of the water a new creature. From Romans 6. If you have not done that, you have the opportunity now. If you need further study on that, we can help you with that as well. If a child, if, as a child of God, you have stumbled, Perhaps in your giving. Perhaps you aren't giving with the right attitude. If that's something you need to make right with God, then make that right with God. If there's something of a public nature that you need to express, you can do that as well. And you can let that be known 
by coming forward as together we stand and sing.